Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 33 of the In the Eleven podcast. I am Brendan Griffiths, recording this from Denmark, and I have another awesome episode for you guys this week. We have Vic Bell in the Eleven today. He is an aspiring coach, and he's also the host of a podcast in the soccer world as well. It is called the 91st Minute Podcast, so make sure you go check that out after you listen to our episode if you like what you hear. We are going to be discussing the topic of American sports today. It's something that I hint upon in, in a lot of my episodes, but I want to talk about this idea of are American sports really competitive? It's, it's a little bit controversial, and it's, it's an interesting debate that we get into talking about a lot of different things in, in the world of football and also just sports in general in America. So I think it's a great episode for you guys to dig into. Let me know what you think after. Like I say, if you can subscribe to the show, I would greatly appreciate that. Leave a review and let me know what you think about the podcast. Without further ado, let's get into it. Here is Vic. All right. So we are joined on the podcast by a friend of mine, Vic Bell, the host, uh, creator of the 91st Minute Podcast. And I had an opportunity to come on his podcast a while ago, and it was, it was a great time. So I'm super excited to have him on my show and us to be able to talk a little bit about uh, some football-related topics. So Vic, how are you doing? Hey, Brendan. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure. It's always a vibe. And uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait uh, for us to get started. I know you have something cooking. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, cause I had texted you this a while ago, cause when I was on your podcast, I think it was even after the show had, after we stopped recording, we had talked for a while. And I remember there was something that you said to me that it just, it stuck with me and it's like, it stuck with me ever since. And that's what I texted you about. And I said, cause you had said, that's, we were talking about, you know, the difference between European football, the difference between football in the States. And you said, that's why American sports aren't competitive. And it didn't like hit me the magnitude of that, that statement at the time when you said it, but I thought about it more and more. And I looked at kind of all of our sports collectively that we have in the United States, compared them to the way things work in Europe. And the more and more I started to think about it, I was like, you know what, I think I think that kind of makes sense. Like it's not, it's not as competitive as it is in Europe, at least in my opinion, but I wanted to have us come on this podcast and kind of have this dialogue about it. Cause I think it's an interesting topic that maybe a lot of people either agree with or disagree with based on their interactions with European sports or with only American sports. So maybe give us a little bit of a backstory. What brought you to kind of have this concept of, not feeling like American sports are as competitive as Europeans. Well, um, interesting that uh, it, 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 it touched you that much because usually when I do say these things, um, you know, people, people say, ah, oh, Vic, what are you talking about? You're, you're crazy. You just like football. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's why you have this opinion. Uh, this is a disclaimer, first of all, not to say that American sports are not competitive. I know those those athletes work very hard. Yeah. They're professional. But you have, you, have, you, have, you have to understand that there's a reason why 
our football is the world's game. Everyone pursues it. Everyone wants to be part of that organism. And just, just, just as we just said before we started recording, not everybody gets a place on the pitch. Nevertheless, everyone wants to be on the pitch. So how does that work out? How do you filter in this massive amount of people who want to be on the pitch? I will start. A, I would. I will give you an example with with Africa. Who doesn't want? To, who did? Who doesn't grow up wanting to be a footballer in Africa? You hear sometimes the story Sadio Mane, some of the things that he went through in order for him to just play on local teams that are like yep. I don't know, a few miles away, and you. He still doesn't have a guarantee of even being on the local team. Yep. So. You have to understand, over here, you have the pay-to-play system. As soon as you, 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 you uh, put into the gear of pay-to-play system, you're basically, you're basically chastisizing a whole bunch of talented people. Because football, in essence, it's the sport of the poor. Yes, you need a ball, two posts, and there you have it. It's not supposed yeah. to be golf. It's not supposed to be uh, low-level Formula One where you need all this gear. It's, it, it's not supposed to be that, but in the yeah. United States, it is that. Yeah. It is that precisely. Who's going to pay for the gear? That's money. You joining the club? That's money. Who's going to pay the coaches? That's money. God forbid they have a few licenses. It's even more money. Mm-hmm. The traveling expenses? That's money. Then, then they, 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 they rotate it from... Um, Spring and fall, that's money. So everything you paid for, you multiply that times two. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so basically you have a representation basically of people that come from affluent or good enough families, economically speaking, that can afford the sport. And they're the ones, and, and it's from there where the selection process starts. That's why I tell people, even in Europe, we haven't even seen the ballers in the US. We haven't seen them. Because they can't afford it. They can't afford it. They seriously can't afford it. I remember when I was playing with the Potomac Cougars. Bro, it's like five, six, five, six thousand dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. You understand? Imagine you just migrated. Well, migrated is a big word, but imagine you just moved to the United States and you're part of a family that is still looking, you know what I mean, to better themselves. It takes a little bit of time. Do you think that family is going to have money? To shell out five, six thousand dollars, one for spring, one for fall. The answer is no. It's not going to happen. But guess what? It's those players that have been through God knows what that bring you that little something extra on the pitch. And this little something extra, I don't even know how I can subcategorize that because you, 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 you basically see you, you. You basically see the metamorphosis of that on the pitch. So it's, it's not something that is tangible. It's just something that is there and blossoms on the pitch, right? Um, we're trying to, to, to move around in the right spaces in terms of football. We're trying to uh, uh, make it more um, um, affordable from, from, from what I hear and from what I see. Are we there yet? Definitely not. Definitely not. In American sports, you have it's basically it's basically the other way around. In the other sports, 
um, how many stories have I heard of people who used to play at the Rucker in New York? You get picked up at the Rucker to go play at a college. From college, to, you go to the NBA. They know that the talent is maybe in in, in not so affluent uh, uh, places. So you have scouts going into these tournaments, yep. going into these different different sides of, uh, of town to go get the talent, which is exactly how Europeans, South Americans, and Africans get their talent. Yeah. You go to these not so affluent places and you go get raw talent yeah and i think you bring up an interesting point as well because you even look at you know right now what is arguably the biggest sport in the united states maybe it's a toss-up between basketball and between american football and american football there is no like there's no club football or anything like that everyone plays for their schools and then they go on to college and then they go on to the nfl if that's if they're at that level you don't have to pay to play for your high school team. You know, you don't have to pay to, and then obviously if you get a college scholarship, then you don't have to pay for that as well. So that it maybe in a sense is a bit more like the European model of soccer because it's going out and it's finding the best talent. It's an interesting point that you bring up because it's almost as if the pay to play system takes a little bit of that competitive edge out of the game in the United States because you're you're paying for that privilege to be at that level, right? You're, right? you're kind of just, you're paying the bouncer at the front to get into the club versus where in other places it's like, well, we're going to sneak in the back door when someone opens it for us, or we're going to climb through the window or something like that. That's maybe what you're talking about with that. It's not tangible, but it's like the little bit extra for those players who really want to get to the highest level, because there's not going to be that same, you know, Oh, okay, well, I'll just pay PSG to to join their academy. Like, it doesn't work like that. Right. Um, not to mention, I mean, you're completely right. Not to mention now, if you look at the specifics, now, I'm not a pro at uh, American sports, right? There's some other people that listen to your podcast that will know a lot more, perhaps even you. But when you look at it as a whole, once everybody gets into this profession, oh, we had a bad season. It's okay. Next time. Mm-hmm. How many times have you heard next year? That's like our favorite. It's like the favorite sentence of every franchise that doesn't win. Yeah. Next year. Oh, okay. Yeah, this, this is the perfect transition for kind of, I think what the meat and potatoes of our episode will be about is there's, uh, there's this always this kind of idea when you're building clubs in in the well not clubs but professional teams in the states that you are you know like you said you're building for the next year you're building for the next cycle or whatever the case may be and that starts with you get you're kind of incentivized to lose at certain points if you're a basketball team or if you're a football team because and even in soccer although the the draft in the united states is certainly changing for soccer um but you get rewarded with this carrot of you get the number one pick in the draft if you're the worst team in the league the year before. And, you know, on the flip side of that, if you go overseas, if you go to other places, there is nothing for the person that comes in dead last. And then at those teams that are at the top of the table as well, it's always just what can you do for me right now? It's not about, oh, what can we maybe do next year or the year after? It's what are you giving me right now and i think that sometimes gets lost in the fray of certain sports in the united states 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I really couldn't agree more. You know, football, you have to understand football, it's its own tycoon, man. It's, it's, it's its own monster. You know, you have FIFA. That's its own monster. I don't even yeah. think people really understand how powerful FIFA is. You know what I mean? I, I, we out here talking about NBA. And they're all the, the little cousins, man. They're the, yeah. the, the annoying little cousins. Look at all cousins. those corruption stories. Like, it, it, this is bro, big time. Bro, bro. And here's the thing, you know, some of them, uh, maybe, you know, we've, we, 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 we caught up. Oh, corruption, yeah, corruption. Bro, do you think somebody here, even in the U.S., they have the power to change everything at the headquarters? No. <laughs> no. Now they're just going to be a little bit more careful, especially when they host the World Cup anywhere close to the United States, because you know how nosy we can be. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and they were, I'm pretty sure they were just very surprised. Like, wow, these guys were doing all this surveillance all this stuff on us when, bro, we're talking 1994, right? So it took a minute for even the FBI to understand yeah. what exactly is going on. You know what I mean? That's how deep the rabbit hole, uh, 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 rabbit hole goes. But to bring it back to the competitive nature, everybody wants to sit at the table, right? You can even look at the sponsors. It's mm-hmm. always, it's literally always the same main sponsors. Have you noticed that? Adidas, that contract never runs out. It's like, as soon as it's about to run out, ah, here goes another 10 years. Coca-Cola, that never runs out. Yep. McDonald's, that never runs out. Right? So mm-hmm. you don't think Nike wants to be the major uh, uh, endorsement when it comes to a World Cup? You don't think they've been knocking on the door all this time? <laughs> <laughs> I bet you they've been, they've been, but there's certain doors in the world of football. If you don't have somebody holding your hand, people will say, well, that's in any sport, but not like football. Seriously, not like football. It's a different tycoon altogether. Now, when you bring this whole thing back to the, uh, um, to American sports, this is off tangent, but I had to get that out. When you bring it uh, back to the United States and these games, this next time, as we spoke about a little bit, you see how um, there is no... There is no up and down system cast. Like, okay, do you get punished for not being good? The answer is no, you don't get punished. And you know why you don't get punished? I'll tell you why you don't get punished. Because if you get punished and you go into the second division, what does that mean? It basically means you guys get less money. Yeah. Because you're not in the first division. And guess who, and guess who won't like that? The owner. Mm -hmm. Got it. Because you know what he's going to do? If you guys get punished, he's going to be like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to take all my cash, all of my money, and get rid of you guys. How about that? Mm-hmm. What will happen to the league if, if all the owners start acting like that? If there's no insurance of making money, they're in it to make money, yeah. period. Yeah, that's that's the – I mean, it's the – Everyone in America loves to say, oh, we just need promotion and relegation. We just need promotion and relegation. And it's true. Anyone who's a true fan of the game understands that that is what is best for the game. However, as you just stated, and we can both understand, if I own a club, it's not, it's not smart for me to vote for promote. If I own a club in the MLS and it's my business, like I don't gain anything from saying yeah promotion relegation is good essentially what it comes down to is i have to make the conscious decision of even though this is putting my business at risk 
I understand that it's what is best for the sport. It's what's best for the game. And it like, I have to do it for the greater good of the people. It's never going to be, because it, it never will be. It never will be financially a good decision for me to say, you know what? Yeah, let me risk my millions of dollars each year. And if we lose and go down, then, you know, people are out of jobs, people are making less money and everything becomes much harder. So it, on the one hand, I think sometimes it's a bit naive of people to just say, oh, just do promotion relegation. Why don't you just do it? And while yes, that's perfect in theory, you can't convince all these owners of these clubs to just say, hey, no, not- risk your money every year. Just, you know, basically put it on the blackjack table. Like, <laughs> They're not going to do it. That's the answer. The yeah. answer is they're not going to do it. Um, will it happen in the future? You know, I think they're not, they're not going to have a choice in the future. I think, I think it's going to get to the point where there's going to be so much pressure for yeah. the U.S. men's national team and the league to become more competitive where they'll just, they'll be forced to do it. Yeah. You understand? Because, because as you can see, people are starting to find out that, oh, you know what? I think the best way for players to develop is literally to go to Europe as early as possible, right? And where does that come from again? It comes from a lack of good coaching. There is a high percentage of bad coaches in the United States. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. Whose fault is it? I'm not here to point the finger. (laughs) You guys have brains and you guys can probably imagine whose fault it is. It is what it is. Uh, when you look at Germany, I grew up. I grew up in Germany when Germany was a powerhouse, where the Bundesliga was crazy, where Dortmund was giving the works to, to Bayern in the in the in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. Obviously, now we see what's going on. Bayern, it's it's a lot easier for for Bayern to do its thing. They say that oh, they're going to win anyway, X Y Z. But what is Germany good at? What do they have enough at? They have amazing coaches. They all come from that amazing academy that we spoke about, the Hennes Weisfala, mm-hmm. and they're fantastic coaches. That's why all the young players now in Europe, most of them, where do they go for development? They go to Germany. Yeah. And when they leave there, how much better are they? A lot better. Yeah. A lot better. You can see it with almost everyone that came from the Kevin De Bruyne's to the to even American players like the Pulisic and the McKenzies. Yeah. You know what I mean? The proof is in the pudding, literally. Mm-hmm. And it starts at the top. And it trickles down into grassroots. If you really want to do better, it starts at the top and it trickles down to the grassroots. Yeah. That's how it works. It's not the other way around. Yeah, because I think an interesting part in, in how this can be incorporated into the grassroots level as well as there's an interesting guy who I've had on my podcast a couple of times who runs a, basically an academy in Germany where he'll bring over United States players and they go to school there and then they get to be immersed kind of in that culture that we're talking about in Germany. And he talked about something interesting about how in the United States, especially at the youth level, is in a way sometimes there's a, a, a backwards approach to the game because the way that the leagues and I mean, even at the youth level, it's even crazier than the pro level that we have right now, where there's no clear structure of how the pyramid is. Like you said, there's no promotion relegation. 
I mean, that's even more of the Wild West when it gets to the youth and grassroots level, because all these levels like somehow are supposed to mix in with each other and you never really know where people stand. And it's all just based on, you know, some league director or some tournament director saying, yep, you're good enough or no, you're not good enough. And also, do you have that money to be able to pay us to come join this league? Like, so you'll get this sometimes this disparity of talent between these youth teams and, you know, one team will go and they'll smash another youth team and it'll be 10 to nothing or something like that. And then, then you kind of get to this point that he talked about where then the team that's winning then feels the need to kind of take their foot off the gas a little bit and, you know, be respectful to this team that is, that is not, uh, you know, at the same level, is it good for their morale? You know, then that team is at the same time saying, well, I don't want you to take it easy on me. But if you think about it in terms of maybe the more way that it's done in Germany, for example, if everything is clearly structured and everything is laid out in a certain way, sure, yes, the Bayern U19 Academy team will probably still go out and smash most teams. But for the most part, there will be a, each team will be at the correct level because everything will start to sort itself out. It's the same way that the pro game, like the pro game works as well. You know, there, there won't be this huge disparity between clubs because as you win and do really well one season, you'll move up and you'll find where your level is. Or if you're not good enough, then you'll move down and you'll find where your level is. And everyone kind of sorts out and finds their level just based on the competitive nature of the game. Whereas in the States, if, if everything is left to, you know, outside decision makers or who has the, enough money to get into this, you know, this club that we talked about or this league, then it all just becomes so chaotic. And is anyone ever really playing at the correct level for themselves? Well, that's the $1 billion question, right? Um, because you have to understand also the, 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 the nature of, of uh, I, th- I think it, not to make it political, right? But it, it comes back into this whole socialism, capitalism thing right because when people yeah. come here yeah yes 100 percent. because when people come here they're they come in here for more opportunities you come to the united states because the united states offers offers more opportunities so okay you have 300 over 300 million people here if you can reach at least five hundred thousand of those you're going to be doing great you're going to you're going to be doing great and how do people go about it sometimes you even sometimes you even have Europeans who come over here. I, I don't know if uh, people are allowed to curse on your, on your, on your podcast, but they fuck yeah, about. <laughs> they fuck about, bro. They come here. They kind of like put up this facade. Oh, because I have an accent. I know what I'm talking about. And you know us as Americans. <laughs> oh, we love accents. Oh, he has to be right. Once oh, yeah. we hear this accent, he's got to be right. Especially you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 100%. You know, and then you have a, we also basically open up the doors for those type of people to come here and, and, and to basically kick us down the, the progression line even more because they're going to come here, tell us what we want to hear. They just want the money. They just want the money like everyone else. Then you have the other Americans who go and get their licenses. They regurgitate what they're being taught. They themselves have no ideas for themselves. 
they themselves don't really get pushed to do well for themselves. How many coaches have you seen, Brendan? You don't even need to mention names. I know that you see at clubs who don't really want to be competitive, who don't want to be better coaches. They're there because the paycheck is decent. Yeah. So me personally, I tell people, do, would you like your kid, for example, someone like you who's dedicated their almost their whole life to a sport, to a coach who, who he himself, he's not even competitive. He himself, he doesn't want to be a better coach. Because guess what's going to happen when he gets to your son in terms of his talent? He is going to blow it up. That's what's going to happen because he won't know what to do with that. Another idea why many American coaches don't know how to identify footballers. They don't even know how to identify footballers. To Americans, most Americans, footballers what? Oh, if you can't run, you're not a footballer. Meaning if you're not a workhorse, you're not a footballer, which is complete rubbish. So the, the, the proof is really in the pudding. In order for this thing to be competitive, it needs to start at the top. Put people into place who really care, number one, who really care. From there on, you, you, you put a place in, you put a mechanism in place where you've got to earn it. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just regurgitating, you paying for certain licenses, you coming and you go regurgitating and then off you go. You can go and try to scam some other people and get money. No, you have to earn it. When we have seminars, come up with your own ideas as well. We want to see that development mm -hmm. because you can't tell me, Brendan, that with this over 300 million people that we have here, that we can come up with a very competitive national, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Yeah, to to see every other, you know, in almost every other professor, uh, professional sport, like, you know, in, in the Olympics, we go and nearly everywhere else <laughs> we dominate. And then in this one very specific area, we struggle so much. And like, yeah, you said, just sheer numbers alone, like with that pool of people, you should be doing better <laughs> than we're doing now, which I think in a way is exciting because it means if we figure it out like and like you said there, we're starting to it's still very in the infancy stages of like hey we're doing one or two things right and things are starting to go in the right direction so i think that's what's exciting for americans to see what the potential could be what the possibilities could be because like you said we have all these people out there to choose from and if we start to do the right things it's like wow, what could this really be if we, you know, could we one day be like the Brazils of the world and have just millions of people who are trying to compete for our national team? And then could we go out and, and do something on the world stage? 100%. And uh, the answer that you just, you just asked, uh, the answer is yes, you can be. If you go about it the right way. In football, you can't cut edge. You, you can't cut corners. Yeah. All the corners you cut, they were going to come back and bite you in the booty, bro. Mm -hmm. it, it, you, there's a reason certain nations are better than us. Many re it, it, There's a reason why, right? Because the American way of thinking is, oh, okay, well, if I can get players that maybe run longer, run faster, <laughs> are stronger, we should be able to beat them. No, but the thing is, the essence of football is a lot more complex than that. Another thing also that we need to stop doing is 
thinking or pretending that this game is easy. Who ever, I don't know who told Americans <laughs> that this is easy. <laughs> because you always get this notion, oh, how hard can it be? Try it. And you will tell us, try it. Yeah. Look, it's, look it's, at where it's tough. Like, like you said, I've been playing this game now for 20 years and there's still times where I go, you know, and, and there's times where I watch the game and I'm like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't look that bad. It, lo- it looked like if you put me right now where Kevin De Bruyne is, I could do it. And then I'll go out and I'll train with my team and I'm like, okay, like some of the simplest things I can't even do. And it, and you know, I've been doing this for 20 years and it, it is, it's, it's just fascinating. No, ab- absolutely. You know, and, and those are issues that we, 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 we've got to address. Those are issues that should be taken seriously. Um, there are conversations. Oh, how come the women are doing it and, and the men can't do it? Well, let's start by the fact that the women take it, in my opinion, a lot more seriously than, me- than the men do. Like, can we start with that? Number one. Number two, also, the women are exceptionally strong when it comes to the basics of football. Mm-hmm. Exceptionally strong. Like, they have the basics down. So it, for, for them, they do it the right way. They have the basics down, and they, it goes up from there. Man, you'll have people on the national team still opening up with the wrong foot. On a full national team. And you ask yourself sometimes, what is going on here? Why is, why is this still a thing? Well, it's a thing because, like we said earlier, when it stops from the top, it trickles down. Well, if you ask that player, so ne- nobody ever taught you not to do that? Not to open up with the wrong foot? Nobody ever taught you that? Ah, oh, well, while growing up, I'm pretty sure he had coaches who didn't even care. And those things, again, come back to hunt you at yeah. the end. You understand? Yeah. Or, or it might have been that piece that you're talking about as well with the coaching of, of you know, that player might have opened up with the wrong foot, but then they had the athletic ability or the power or the pace to drive past two, three opponents. And the coach said, well, I know he did that one thing wrong, but, uh, you know, it's almost like, yes, you're not necessarily punishing the bad behavior, but if you're not saying anything about it at all, or if you're only praising the good behavior and not mentioning those other, those little finer details that once you graduate out of the youth levels, once you graduate out of the MLS and you start going against guys who are just as powerful or just as pacey as you, or maybe they're not, but they're smarter than you, doesn't matter because that you taking the ball on that wrong foot just killed the whole play. 100%. And also another thing, there's so many different uh, layers. It's like an onion, right? We're talking about all these different layers that, that need addressing. Uh, one of the main layers is literally watching football. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. How many, Brendan, I have a question for you. I know it's your podcast, mm-hmm. but I have a question for you. <laughs> How many Americans do you know that, that play football, but that, that don't really enjoy watching it, that don't watch it? That is a phenomenal question because I think it is what absolutely blows people's mind from other countries because you will have people who, you know, will go and play the game at the collegiate level and they're like, yeah, I don't like watching it though. 
I, I like, you know, I like watching American football or I like watching basketball or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I don't, it's, it's kind of slow. It's kind of boring. And it, it, it was always so fascinating. And probably even when I was younger, when I was younger and I played a couple of different other sports and I was kind of trying to find what my true love was in terms of sports, I was a bit of the same way because I don't think I appreciated the game for what it was. I don't think I appreciated the intricacies of it. You know, I was like, oh, they just knock it around the back and it's so slow. And But then as I started to play at a higher and higher level, I started to consume the game at a higher level. It's it's almost like an acquired taste, you know? It's like those people who start drinking wine and they're like, eh, it's all bad. But the more and more you start to drink it, they're like, wait a second, there's some, there's something about this. And I think you have to kind of immerse yourself in it to understand, like, I think if people, you know, the general layman fan goes and watches a match, they're like, ah, it doesn't look difficult. It doesn't look, but when you are in it, when you play it, when you coach it, when you do all these things, you realize just how complex and how complicated it is and to go you know and watch Dortmund versus Man City last night and understand wow like the fact that Phil Foden is able to do these things against other professionals is truly remarkable absolutely and um you know it's it's another it's another layer once again which comes to my favorite layer which is football culture in general oh my god we are light years away from this thing called football culture in this country. Mm-hmm. And it is killing us softly without us even knowing. What is football culture? They might ask you, Brendan. What is that? Well, it's literally everything we just spoke about compressed in one. First of all, you should understand what's happening on the pitch. Mm-hmm. You should understand the positions. You should understand the formations. You should understand why you don't do certain things. For example, if I clear a ball, I don't clear it into the middle. Why don't I do that? You know, it's part of the culture. You have to know. You know, there's some Europeans um, that I'm friends with. Like, I remember growing up, you just don't do it. Because you know, if they get it in the middle and they counter, we're done. (laughs) It's that simple. You know what I mean? You You open up the right foot. Uh, with the right foot because it gives you time it gives you options and it looks better and why well that's just what you do it's it's the etiquette of the sport respect the sport it's the same thing with basketball if your form is too ugly if a good coach is going to tell you to change it and you guys are going to work on it because the percentage of you making the shot is going to get higher if you have a better form it's the same thing why don't we do it for football that's that's the for me that's always that's the number one thing i've been in this country for 20 years why don't we do it why don't we adapt clearly by now we should see that our way is not the right way yeah by now it should it should be clear brendan or not what would what would you say to that no it it is because i think in a way it's a little bit disheartening to me because it's something that i love so much about Europe and the cult, like the culture of a club, the culture of football as well. Whereas you said, even the fan who maybe has never even played before, but just loves the club and loves the game, they have a certain knowledge of the game to it, like a certain extent. Yes, maybe they couldn't go out and coach it or they couldn't really be a part of a club. But like you said, they understand those kind of basic fundamental principles when they go out and watch a game. 
And that's not always really the case with fans of the game in the States that they just don't have that like certain base knowledge of the game's tactics and things like that. And I, I guess I say it's like disheartening for me because I love, I love the culture of a club, you know, here in Europe, but at the same time, my, I grew up in the, I was born in the States. I grew up in the States. Everyone, you know, family, friends, everyone is there. So for me, I would love to be able to have, you know, I want to have both. I want to be able to have the family, the friends, all those types of things and have that football culture as well. And somehow find a way to mesh those two things together. You know, it, it's, you know, you don't necessarily want to have to fly a thousand miles away to achieve one aspect of your life. Like, it's like, almost like, can I have the whole pie, right? Can I, can I somehow figure out a way to, in some small way, create that football culture in the United States where, you know, I have all these people around me as well. Like, so I don't know, it's always, it's always been like a pipe dream of mine in the back of my head. Like, can I, can I somehow like, carbon copy what goes on in these European clubs like even the you know even the small like local type things but turn it into something that the states is and I don't know I've battled with it a lot because I don't know you know is it even something that's possible or is it maybe something that's possible later on once we start to make changes with our system you know who knows I mean um I I uh I feel your sentiment and um to be frank is it possible? Anything is possible. The problem is that can you withstand, um, you know, maybe not referring to you, but in general, can people re- re- withstand uh, the, the, the capitalism that comes with it? Because once you notice that you can make a whole bunch of money doing the right thing, guess what? The quality goes down because you just so, you become so fixated on the amount that you're making, so fixated on profit where you start high now you need to hire coaches to fill in those you know what i mean to fill in those gaps and 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 you don't have the time to really like oh this is a good coach and this is a bad coach no you just need somebody there running the session from 6 30 to 7 30 or 7 45 you understand mm-hmm. i understand i definitely understand that, that 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 part but people have to understand that it needs to come from a good place because if it doesn't come from a good place you're you're rendering bad service to the kids. You're rendering diluted football to the kids. It is what it is. In the sub category, that's what it is. Um, even in Europe, uh, you mentioned the B team or the youth team of Bayern. Guess what? The youth team of Bayern don't always win. They yeah. don't always win. Because guess what? At the youth level, there are other teams who do it a thousand times better than them. Mm. Bayern kind of like eclipses once they reach the full team because the full team, I mean, what is the full team? The best German talent. Yeah. They steal the best talent from whatever is around them. Yeah. How you're not going to dominate your league. On top of that, they always try to make sure that they have one of the best, if not the best coach in the league. Mm-hmm. How you're not going to be competitive. You'll be competitive. But when you look below, I remember, I remember Tony Kroos came from freaking Hansa Rostock. You understand, Stuttgart is one of the best, has one of the best youth systems. Along with, um, uh, how do you call them? Freiburg as well. They're known for that. Mm. So in essence, what's beautiful about football in these areas, everyone does their thing at their respected youth levels, as you mentioned. 
Some are good at the full team. Some are good at the U16s. Some are good at the U17s. And you basically make your name. The same thing, the same way how we look at Dortmund now. The people who just started watching Dortmund, they might actually think, oh, well, Dortmund, I guess they're only good at bringing in young talent and developing them and selling them for a whole bunch of money. But that's wrong. They just changed to that. Bro, I remember when Dortmund used to win back-to-back Bundesliga titles. I'm talking before Klopp. I'm talking Lars Ricken. I'm talking Andreas Müller. You understand? You, you need to evolve. Certain circumstances aren't the same. You still need to be part of the hype. You still need to be... The, the, your name needs to still be relevant in the world of football. Because as you know, nobody remembers what you did yesterday in yeah. football. Right? Yeah. And, and I think you bring up such an interesting point because so many of people... When they look at the comparison, you know, between Europe and between the States, they always point to, ah, well, is it competitive because the, you know, the top six in England is always going to be the same six every year. And, you know, Germany, it's always going to be either Bayern or Dortmund. PSG is always going to win the league in France. And I think, I think that's actually not quite as accurate as people make that out to be because, you know, Sure. Does Leicester City winning the league in in that fashion then lead them to being a top six perennial power for so on and so forth? No, maybe not. But at the same time, it's like you said, if you're not going to perform, then you're going to get found out. And like, you know, even if we look back in what was it, 90s, early 2000s, like Leeds was a team that was competing for Premier League titles like mm-hmm. and now. They were, you know, in championship for a while. Now they're back up and they're maybe kind of forming a resurgence. You know, Mm -hmm. Dortmund has had up and down streaks and there's been all these teams that have had moments where they've, as you said, they've had to evolve. They've had to, okay, we're going to focus on our youth department and we're going to bring players up and that's how we're going to grow our club. Okay, we're going to go out and we're going to buy the best players from the league and we're just going to influx of money. We're going to get foreign ownership, whatever the case is. Or we're going to invest a ton of money in our scouting department and we're going to scout the best players from around the world. I think, I don't know, I think that argument is a little bit just just not correct. Like even look at this year with England, Arsenal is in, I mean, what, 10th uh, place right now, I think at this point? I don't, I don't, I yeah, don't even know. Like that, nine to ten. But yeah. like that's a, a team that everyone had said for so long was always going to be in that top five that you had said and now you have teams like wolves knocking on the door well where did they come from like i think i think it's just kind of a maybe a bit of a lazy take when people say oh yeah it's just always going to be the same teams that win every single year like uh i don't think so on you're right and you know let's take a break to talk about support for the in the 11 podcast is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 11 at manscaped.com. Now, if my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Now, listen, here's the deal, gentlemen. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived and it is a game changer. Now, I know we got a lot of ballers out here, right? We got a lot of coaches out here. A lot of you, I know in your sessions, in your games, you're constantly saying, you got to take care of the ball, but you're not taking care of your own. It's crazy. It's it's wild. And we got to change that here. And Manscaped's going to help you do that. So 
First off, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0, and it is the future of men's below the waist grooming. And that is because of their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof, it has a 400K LED spotlight, so no more going blind in the bathroom, getting hair all over the floor, right? Pop in the shower, you've got the light as well, easy, and you're done. On to the next one. Now, same goes for that weed whacker, the Manscaped Weed Whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming necessities. You've got the proprietary skin-safe technology, which is going to help reduce with nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate, sensitive areas. Now, last but not least, we can't forget about the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. A lot of you guys, I know you've got a routine with your recovery, right? You've got pre-game rituals, you've got post-game rituals, a recovery routine that you do after, right? Hop in an ice bath, whatever it is. You have to add your below-the-waist care to that. You've got to take care of your balls, gentlemen. You don't want to be playing 90 minutes, and then you come in, and you're sweaty and disgusting, and you're not taking care of yourself. You got, you've got to do it. And Manscaped, like I said, is here to help you in that department. And who knows? Maybe that special someone that's in your life coming to the game, watching you play. You know, you play a good 90 minutes, maybe you bag a goal. I don't know. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be in a situation where you are left without Manscaped. Now, just because Manscaped is hooking you up and they want to take care of you, the Performance Package 4.0 has a couple of goodies thrown in there. They've got the Manscaped Boxer Briefs and they threw in a little carry-on bag just to travel with all of your Manscaped products, whether you're going for an away game, right? It's a road trip, you're in a plane, whatever. Chuck all your Manscaped products in there. You don't have to think about it. You can forget about it and make sure that you're still taken care of. So it is time, gentlemen, because your balls will thank you. It is time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping using the code 11. That's 20% off with free shipping using the code 11, E-L-E-V-E-N at manscaped.com. That is 20 whole percent off of your order. 20% off your order with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code 11. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Oh, what I love about this is there's a whole different layer. What, what makes these teams so prominent and what makes the lesser teams, what gives them such courage to come and, and take the spot of like an arsenal or take the spot of like, uh, I don't know, uh, of, of a main team that's always been there in the top four. Bro, it's philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's philosophy. Wolves, they were like, okay, you know what? Fine. Let's bring in Nuno in here. Let's go a different way. Because clearly what we've been doing <laughs> ain't working. Ain't working. Let, let's go. Let's just go. What does Nuno do? Nuno was like, you know what? We're going to go Portuguese style. That's what <laughs> we're that going to do. Portuguese national team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm really good friends with Mendez, the, the super agent. And bring them all over here. All of them. And that's the Wolves that we've, we've been enjoying for a couple of years. Am I saying that's the right way to go? No. But that's how they cho- chose to go as of right now. Mm-hmm. And it's working. They're doing well. I know they lost Jimenez with that uh, uh, head injury that basically brought everything a little bit to a halt, but Wolves have been a, 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 a household name for the last two years. Like, 
Wolves is known to be bringing in the work in games. If you're not ready, they will beat you. Yeah. They will beat you. And you can kind of like look around everywhere. It's the philosophy that pushes it. The moment you, 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 you leave vacancy of the philosophy, you start having problems. My favorite club, Barcelona. Prime example. Prime example. The moment we started buying a whole bunch of people that weren't really intact with the philosophy, we started having problems. Yeah. We, start, we, we, we got Bartomé, uh, the president, who, he was, who was absolutely catastrophic. Oh, we want to buy a whole bunch of people. We want to buy this guy, Coutinho, for 160 million uh, add-ons and all that. What was the result of all this? La catastrophe. When, now, when we bring it back to the U.S., Brenda, let me ask you another question. You ready for this one? I'm ready. <laughs> Describe American football philosophy. What is it? Like it should American, be clear. American American football. American. When when the national team gets deployed to the biggest tournaments, what what's the philosophy? What is it? My answer is we don't have one. What's your answer? Yeah, I think, yeah, right now we are trying to still find an identity. We're still trying to find a philosophy and find an identity of how we are going to play. And I I think in the past, really, all that it's been, the best way to describe it is just is almost like kind of the same philosophy that we talked about with people when they come to America and it's the capitalist or the American dream mindset. Like we are just like, okay, we're just going to work hard for 90 minutes. We're going to make it difficult for the opponent. We're going to be fit. We're going to be strong and we're going to see if we can, you know, nick something and, you know, nick a one nil or something like that. And now I think we're kind of having this, change in our identity because we're like well it hasn't really been working you know we can't just outwork all these brilliant minds in the game it's it's just not going to work we can't just overpower them so you know we focused on our development we focused on developing young players and now we're starting to see sprinkles of these young players who actually have some creativity they have some flair and they can do more than just get up and down for 90 minutes so you know i see I see when we play, I watched some of the recent friendlies that we had. I see a more creative style, a more from an individual perspective in the individual players. There's some things that they do that we don't really, we haven't really had in the past. However, like you said, the the answer to your question is what is our philosophy as a team that I, I don't know if I have the answer to that yet. Yeah. The answer is we don't have one. I'll give you. And let me tell you how it works especially against great nations that you go up against in, in football. You know, you know why football is such a delight for people like me and yourself? I'll tell you why. It's a delight because when we meet on the international stage, it's a clash between philosophies. It's a clash between principles, okay? Ideologies. Oh, okay. So you like to play out from the back. 
hmm, well, guess what? I will show you that it's still better to high press and attack with the second, third, fourth, fifth attacker. How about that? And the other guy's going to say, oh, yeah? Well, guess what? I'm going to show you that having my number nine drop in, play nine and a half, drop into the center of midfield and helping the other three midfielders making it four, it's still going to be greater than your approach. It's the clash of identities, principles, ideologies. That's what makes this so um, addictive. You understand? Now, the United States, how do we go about this? We think it's just do it, Nike. Nike is just a sponsor. <laughs> They're not going to go out and uh, do the bidding for us, okay? They keep us fresh, but they're not going to keep us fresh on the pitch. They're not the ones doing the running. Meaning what? It starts from the top again. It starts from the top. There's a clear philosophy that needs to be at the top, and it trickles down. Meaning what? U11, so whatever national team we start at, they all play the same way till the full national team. You know why? Because by the time you get to the full national team, you know what, it's, what is expected from you. You know how to play your position. You know how to play maybe a second position. Whenever you're deployed to go, and, go out there and perform, you know what to do, when to do, and how to do it. You don't need, you, you, you're not just being thrown out there and you don't know how to, how to express yourself. That's the difference between us and other nations. And it takes a long time time to build a philosophy that is sustainable a long time the quicker we get to it the better we'll be but from what i'm seeing you have incompetence everywhere (laughs) and when you have incompetence it's difficult to come to these to, to, to the end result i remember even germany when when we were going through it in the 2000s when things weren't working out yeah we played a world cup final uh, in 2002 that we lost to to brazil and create in korea Okay, no problem. Bravo. But the Germany is always consistent anyways in tournament. So we're not going to applaud too much as Germans because we, we expect them to do this, right? Yeah. But in terms of philosophy, the change started in 2006. I mean, come on. We were like, okay, it's not good enough. We're not dominating games. We're not as industrial as it used to be. And you know what had happened? The game had evolved. We were still playing like in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The game evolves. The Nobody waits on you. Nobody waits on you in football. When it moves, you move. If you don't move, well, guess what? You'll get found out in games, you know, and it will, it will be hurtful. The same thing how we went over there in 2018. We, we failed to move again. It's not the same thing. Four years is a, it's light years in football. Yeah. Light years. If you don't come correct, guess what? What happened to Germany will repeat. It will repeat. If you don't do your homework, you will go over there and you'll be smacked out. When we started the process, it took us from 06, the World Cup in 2010, to 2014 to get a result. Mm -hmm. Let that sink in, Brendan. People really believe in our country that this thing is easy. Yo, football is, in my opinion, the hardest thing ever. Because not only do the 11 players have to be in sync, you need to keep the players that are on the bench um, 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 stimulated enough to still feel like they're, they're a part of the 11. The coaches need to be tip-notch, tip, tip not like the best. Not to mention, from the top, they need to know what they're doing. Meaning when they see certain inconsistencies, they need to be ready to pull the plug. And if we, if you can't do the job, we have to have the ability to go out there and find somebody who can do the job. 
this is football. This is world football. You, you it's out there. It's it's Armageddon. It's everyone against everyone. Yeah. This is this is there's no next year in real football. There's no such thing as next year. Nope. You see you see Barcelona. We were we were what I don't even know what we were. We were horrific. We were horrific. We found consistency. Now we're like off what two points from Atletico. We're the only team that hasn't lost yet in 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 2021. Yes, you know why? Because the club demands it. The, the, at Barcelona, this is this is not your neighborhood club. This is yeah. the Barcelona. You guys better you you better find a way. <laughs> Because if you don't find a way, guess what? We will find somebody who will do it. Yeah. That's the nature. I think Americans forget that that's the nature. Liverpool, they better make club better find a way to make it into that top four. Because I tell you right now, them playing Europa League is unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it kind of it brings it full circle to uh, for us because, you know, we talked about in the beginning – in the United States, like if you're looking at the MLS, if you're at the bottom of the league, okay, you know maybe you get a good draft pick, or really at the end of the day, there's no consequence for anything because you, as the club and the fans and everyone, the media can kind of spin it as well. You know we have these exciting pieces, and maybe next year we can do something, and next year we'll compete, and two years, you know, two years, three years, we'll be a powerhouse or something like that. It's a way where a coach also can maybe buy a little bit more time and buy a little bit more time in their job because they're part of a project. You know, they're part of building something. Whereas you said, Liverpool is not so far removed from literally hoisting the Champions League trophy, the most coveted, you know, piece of silverware in all of world football. Yet now they are kind of right on the fringe of maybe being able to even play for the Champions League next year or, you know, whether or not they'll be in Champions League, Europa League, like they're fighting for European contention still for next year. I guarantee you if they are finishing in that Europa League spot or maybe even just outside of that, you don't think that people are going to come for Klopp and say, get him out of here? Like there is no... (laughs) There, there is just such a, a cutthroat like mentality to it. And then not even to mention, you know, as I talked about a team in the MLS is at the bottom uh, by the end of the year, what do they have to play for? If you're at the bottom of the Premier League right now, you are fighting tooth and nail every single game to make sure that you can try and scrape by and you can stay up in the league. Because like we talked about, you know, if, if a ball boils down to the simplest things from a dollars and cents perspective, you going down and playing the championship next year means a lot of money is leaving the club's pocket. And even specifically you as the player out of your pocket too, like your contract from going from the Premier League down to the championship, that is shrinking big time. (laughs) Absolutely. Not to mention, uh, depending also at what club, you know, if you have those special, special players, obviously we don't see that uh, anymore as much anymore but they have clauses in their contract that specifically state that if the club happens to go into the lower division my contract will be nullified mm-hmm. has it happened before of course it has happened before the curious case of Zlatan Ibrahimovic with Juventus what happened oh you guys thought Zlatan was going to play in City B did you guys really think that was going to happen 
Nope. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, so there's so many nuances in the sport that just keep your blood going. You know what I'm saying? Whether it is somebody who just enjoys football, whether it is somebody who's a journalist, whether it is somebody who plays the game like yourself, whether it is somebody who, who is in the marketing, it's, it keeps you on edge because there are traps everywhere. You, if you don't have competence, it will be on the news because the percentage of you failing or you not making it through your hole it's going to be huge. It's going to be right there for everybody to talk about. You know, and there's pride. You know, people are prideful. The Manchester United way. That's why they're hanging on to, to Ole, you know, club legend, the you know, promoting of youth. Their problem is they, they still think they have Fergie. That's the problem with them. You know what I'm saying? They think that, oh, no, we don't need a sporting director. Why would we need it? We have Ole. Well, guess newsflash. There's no more Sir Alex. Now you guys have to suffer like everyone else. Meaning what? Who are we going to get in terms of coach who actually can bring the club back to where, to where it belongs? What are the right pieces? Are we going to allow Woodwork to continue just signing 80 million pound Maguires? That, that, yo, you know, I read an article the other day that United had the chance to sign Van Dyke. They opted out and went to mcguire really and those are some of the mistakes that you make when you don't have a sporting director mr brendan (laughs) those are some of the mistakes that 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 occur brendan when you don't have the right personnel at your club and guess what because i know that mr woodwork who's an american looked at it just in terms of making money he's like hmm mcguire english international to manchester united I think that's going to sell a whole bunch of jerseys and I'm making captain. But he forgot the sporting outlook of that decision. How do you not love this game? It's just so complex. I love it. I, I, I marinate in it. I love it. I absolutely love how do you? How do we think that what we have even comes remotely close. It doesn't, it's not close. It doesn't come close. It doesn't even come remotely close. <laughs> because because in the NBA, if I have LeBron, I'm already I'm already miles ahead of you. I'm already miles ahead of you, period. And it doesn't happen all the time that you have a Messi, that you have a Ronaldo, and it doesn't guarantee it, which makes it even more fun. Because Juventus, you guys might not even make it into the top four if you lose against Napoli. And you have Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. How do you not love this board? Yeah. So uh, how about, I'll hit you with one final question because I know we've been going for a while here. Um, we we kind of used we kind of used the national team to talk about a lot of these different principles that we're bringing up today about competitiveness and maybe what some things are that we would like to change or like to see differently in in the U.S. And you talked about something really interesting about developing a philosophy, right? And I think it's something I'm sure that you're always working on as well, because I know you have huge aspirations in the coaching world and I'm excited to see all the things that you do because, you know, your mind for the game is definitely up there. So how would you say, how do you go about, you know, developing a philosophy instilling a philosophy, whether it be in a club or whether it be in a national team or something like that. And obviously you know, we can talk about the fact as well that it does, it does need to evolve, you know, because we mentioned how with Germany, they might have a philosophy, but it does need to evolve as the game evolves. Like, 
the game's not always going to stay the same. So you do have to stay relevant within, within the game and how the game is moving. But, you know, give me, give me some insight. What is it like to actually, maybe you walk into that national team and you're, you're starting to put those pieces together of what's our philosophy. Okay. So I will start like this. Um, People have to understand that um, in football, you might want something, but what you want doesn't matter, given what you've been given. Meaning, if you don't have the personnel to play a certain type of way, it doesn't matter that you want to play that type of way. Yeah, You have what you have. And um, it's going to make sense. Um, We started the conversation with the pay-to-play system and how it basically cuts off a whole part of footballers that we don't even, that we don't know of because they don't even get the opportunity to play. First of all, you have to cut that out if you really want to be competitive. And I will tell you why. There are multiple ways how to attack this thing. Do you want to be a counter-attacking team? Do you want to be a solid defensive team? that is capable of going from, let's say, four in the back uh, when defending to maybe three in the back with the wingers going out wide and one of the center uh, defensive midfielders dropping into into that uh, third um, center back role. Mm. There's so many ways how to go about it. Do you want to keep the ball? Do you want to high press? The first thing that you do, you look at what you have available. What type of personnel do I have? What, what, what are the pieces like? And it's from those pieces, you start making decisions in terms of, okay, this is how we want to play, given the pieces that we have. So when I'm thinking of an American team, I'm thinking athletic. Yeah, I'm thinking these kids can run. These kids are athletic. Okay. You still need IQ. You still need... um certain things that are not physical attributes because the game cannot just be won on physical attributes. It's evolved at a point where you need the technicality. You need the players who can literally pull things out of there. You know what? Mm-hmm. You need those players, mm-hmm. um, at least one of them. Uh, you need uh, players that can dictate the tempo, that have a sense. And you can't teach that. There are players, they just have it. They know when to slow it down. They know when to speed it up. They know when to change. When it comes from one corner, it's, it's, it's saturated. You shift it on. Examples yesterday when you watched Tolles and Modric. I mean, that's literally at the top, top level. Mm. They, they can smell it, right? Um, given with the pieces that you have, you're like, okay, American pieces, we, uh, they're athletic. Um, they, they're good in combat. They, they have good spirit. Maybe we try to get conventional, not too conventional pieces, people that, that have uh, played their football overseas like we're doing, like the Pulisic and McKenzie, who have a little bit a different flavor. Mm. Who have, you need that. Yeah. You, need, you need that. When you have a cake, you can't just have, oh, it's just everything is just the same flavor altogether. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not going to be an interesting cake. The interesting cake comes when you mix a little bit of this. Every layer has its own character. You're like, oh, oh okay. Okay. No, we okay. Got something. <laughs> yeah, we got something, right? And in order for that to really sink in, the reason why it takes time, you instill a certain formation with the young kids. You can maybe start 
you 14. And you will, you will find out that it will be difficult. You 14, you 15 will be difficult. You 16 will be difficult. But all of a sudden, since they've been doing it a long time and they know what, what, you're, being, what you're asking of them, yeah. you 17 is going to start kicking in. You 18, bam, okay. You 19, all right. Now, when they make the leap, some of them will make the leap to the full team. You will understand that not only do I have coherent players as a starting 11, but the kids that are coming off the bench, it's like a USB. It's plug and play. They know what to do mm-hmm. because I've been asking them the same thing since the U15s. That's how you build a philosophy. It's not, it's not over one year. You give yourself a project of maybe four to five years. Everybody plays the same way. All the coaches, when they come and they do their badges, all under the same umbrella. It's not just a regurgitation, oh, you guys have to do what I'm saying. No, these are the principles you can put in your own little flavor, sprinkle it on there. Yeah. You understand, uh, uh, Brendan, that, that's how you get ahead because it's everybody going from the same base with the little sprinkle that makes it special. Yeah. You know what I mean? In Argentina, you have coaches like Peckerman, like Bielsa. The school of thought, similar, but the sprinkle, different. That's how you go from the Juan Roman Riquelmes to the Pablo Emas. Mm-hmm. You understand? It's, it's oh, okay, both of them number 10s, but the, whoa, the sauce is different. That's what you want. That's what makes them competitive. Yeah. That's what, I mean, the Albacete, they haven't uh, lifted an international cup. They've been very unlucky, but come on. They played what? Two, two Copa America finals, one World Cup final. Bro, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's good. Because reaching those finals, given the competition, is very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. You understand? The same thing also with Germany, man. It's the same thing. When they changed the philosophy, uh, Jürgen Klinsmann, head coach, Yogi Löw, uh, the, under, the understudy. Because when we say understudy, when you really look at it, the number two knows just as much as the number one. The only difference is that the number one has the final say. Don't, don't, you know what I mean? Don't yeah. make a difference because when, when we've seen when Lo, Yogi Löw took over, he went with Hansi Flick. We all, we all saw what Hansi Flick did with Bayern. So it was definitely not the Yogi Löw show. You understand? You also need to have the ability to pull the plug on people who are not capable of fulfilling the requirements given the philosophy that you're demanding you have to be as a federation you have to be capable of doing that okay and you have to put people in positions where they can express uh the tip-top level of that given philosophy meaning it's not supposed to be like i give you the spot because i like your face or uh we have the same friends in common no brandon i'm giving you the spot because you're the best suited for the spot as soon as we learn how to do that I think we're going to see shades of, of a great philosophy in the U.S. Because I'm telling you, we don't lack human beings. We are too many out here. <laughs> <laughs> That's my take. Oh, man. You can, you can just tell how passionate you are about the game. And it's, why it's, it's, always, it's always a great conversation uh, when we get together. So I think people are really going to enjoy this episode. And if people want to hear you a little bit more, you have a podcast as well. Uh, if you want... I, Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Where can people listen to it? What kind of what kind of things are you talking about on your pod? 
Yeah. Um, first and foremost, uh, Brendan, it's always amazing when, when we get together and talk uh, because you're one of the few Americans who really understands um, this game and the nuances of this game. It's not given to everyone. Uh, I always appreciate when we text or get on the phone or we do an episode. Um, it's always a pleasure. So first and foremost, thank you for giving me the platform to come course, um, yeah. and, and letting me uh, express myself. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely appreciated on my side. And uh, yeah, I do have a podcast called The 91st Minute. Um, yeah, it's basically a platform where we talk football. We talk about current events. We talk about um players coaches um we're also having special guests on now uh we have mls players as of right now um we also have some things in the in the works in terms of uh african players legends legendary teams that is in the works uh as well we try to make it international and we try to basically i try to basically uh build culture for Americans to digest. Mm -hmm. um, it's, 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 I hope it reaches the masses uh, soon in time. Um, and just like your podcast, it's, uh, it's probably, uh, I know your podcast probably ranked already. The podcast mine is already ranked in, in, in Europe, in, in, in France, England, and, and Germany. We're trying to, to move up the number, but um, yeah, it's literally football, uh, passion, culture, We'll have more people on there. We're also going to go to uh, similar to what you have going on in terms of on screen um, for season three, uh, which is going to be great. And uh, yeah, we're definitely going to have you along there for season three as well, Brendan. Shoot, maybe even for season two still, because <laughs> I'm a little, you know, I, I get talking to you. I, a few questions came out uh, on the back of my head. So I look, you know, I, I might be texting you saying, hey, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> when, can, when can you hop on on the podcast here? But yes, yeah, the 91st minute, um, just building a platform, just passion, um, all about knowledge, opening up minds, great discussions, um, you know, try to try to keep it positive like you're doing. Awesome. And I'm sure they can uh, they can check it out on all the all the spots like Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, available on all podcasting uh, platforms. Um, on IG as well, we have a page as well. Check us out there as well. Um, yeah, honestly, it's 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 a uh, it's a work in progress. Um, it's 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 a hobby that turned. Uh, well, it's still a hobby, but you know, people like it, and yeah, I like so it's I like the to fun. <laughs> You know, I think, I think uh, I'm the same way. Like I kind of started this podcast just because it was always something that I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to do. And, you know, I've started doing it a little bit more. And every once in a while, people are like, hey, like you're kind of good at it. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of have like, you know, in this conversation, like I'm having fun. So I think that's something uh, it's always important to, you know, think about the things that you enjoy and that you're having fun with. So, yeah, no, 100 percent. And and the beauty of all of this, uh, as you probably uh could tell already, Brendan, is the caliber of people that you meet in the realm of football. It's the different minds that you need that open up your own mind that that sometimes you finish an interview, you're like, wow, I learned some things today. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I've gotten a crazy perspective. Like I know some of your episodes are amazing sometimes in terms of even self-reflection, 
sometimes I go, I go on your episodes and, and I listen a little bit and it's like, you know, I, I, um, the self-confidence, you know, if I ever doubted myself, you know, it basically comes back. So it's, 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 it's amazing. You know what I'm saying? For us, for the content creators, sometimes we don't even know how far these episodes reach certain people, but they, they break down doors. They break down barriers for people. Um, you know, and I have to applaud you, uh, Brendan, because, um, for, for the people who are seeking to play pro, for the people who are seeking to break through these doors of professionalism and, 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 and leaving their comfort zone and going out there and pursuing their dreams. I think this is a podcast tailored to them, you know, to the T. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I appreciate it so much. 91st minute for all of you guys listening out there. Go check it out on all the platforms and all that good stuff. Vic, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brandon. And uh, next time on my platform. Yeah, sounds good. You've got my number. <laughs> all right. Peace.